All right, if you take God's precious word tonight and turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Oh, how precious. Oh, how precious. I wish there was a way y'all could put that on the big screen. Maybe, maybe next week. I just got sent a photo of Hannah hugging me on the television. I will never throw that away. I think I may print that one out and hang it on the wall. I'm serious. That's absolutely precious. I love you, Hannah. All right. So, my goodness, that's special. Wow. So, Proverbs chapter 9, God willing, we'll be expounding verses 13 through 18. And man, have we got a good one tonight. The title of the message is, The Other Woman. And Ann and I thought that maybe that's how come people didn't come to church tonight, because it was hitting a little too close to home, the other woman. But that's not the woman we're talking about. We're not talking about some other woman in a marital affair or anything like that. But the woman we're talking about actually is much more devious than that. I believe Proverbs chapter 9 has been my most favorite study of the book of Proverbs so far. I've been greatly enriched by learning about wisdom building her house, which is Jesus building his church taught in the Old Testament. Through the preaching of the gospel, Solomon said the church invites all hungry people to come eat of Jesus' bread and wine and flesh that he, being wisdom, offers in his house. This perfectly corresponds to what Jesus told us in the New Testament when he said in John 6 that his flesh is meat indeed and his blood is drink indeed. Because if we take the gospel truth, if we partake of that, believing that, we have partaken of the table that wisdom has set for us. And now if we'll look back tonight in Proverbs chapter 9 verse 1, I have to remind you about the woman who's building the house in the first part of this chapter. Because amazingly, as we get toward the end of this chapter and close this chapter out tonight, we'll see there's actually two women building two different houses. It's fantastic. In Proverbs 9 verse 1, the Bible says, Wisdom hath builded her house... She hath hewn out seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. That's the gospel covenant. Standing at the highest places of the city, reaching out to the people of this world, inviting them to come in to the gospel house to partake of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We, the church of Jesus Christ, are wisdom's house. We are the maidens that go out and preach that gospel. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is wisdom's food, which she furnishes on the table of God's grace for hungry people to partake of. I've heard people object to the usefulness of Jesus' church before. 
They'll argue that because there are so many different kinds of churches and everybody's preaching one way to go to heaven over here and they're preaching a different way to go to heaven out here. Well, then the Bible's open to all kinds of interpretations. And however someone interprets it, then since they interpret it differently, then why, why go to any church at all? I mean, no church can have exclusive claim to the truth since so many other people have different interpretations. And that's a lie. Let me remind you tonight that when Jesus built his church, he built his church in the middle of the most religious place on earth, Jerusalem. He built it in the middle of Jerusalem where the temple was, where the priests were, where the scribes and the Pharisees were, where Roman and Greek mythology was at its height. Paganism... And Judaism were all centered right there in Jerusalem. And that's where Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Now, let me argue the, Jude the Judaizers, the people who were the experts in the temple, they had the same Bible that Jesus taught from, the Old Testament that Jesus quoted from. Same Bible. But they twisted its scriptures. And Jesus built his church and he told his, his disciples to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus' apostles never told the church that the scriptures were open for interpretation. Jesus' apostles... Never did that. They told the people the truth and then they condemned the lies that were being spread by all the false teachers. Here's a kingdom truth for you tonight. If the religions of this world were teaching the truth when Jesus came, and there were a lot of religions. Remember when uh, the apostle Paul went out and they had an altar in this one particular city. They had an altar for every god they could think of. And just in case there was one they missed, they had one for that God. We're talking about a very religious time when Jesus came. And if the religions of this world were teaching the truth when Jesus came, Jesus would have never had to build his church. The fact that Jesus said, I will build my church in the midst of all that religiosity... And then sent his messengers from the church out with the message of God is proof that the other religious institutions didn't have the message God wanted people to hear. The fact that Jesus' apostles had to constantly warn the churches of the false teachers that were sneaking into the church is proof that there is a worldwide conspiratorial power that seeks to replace, corrupt, and overthrow the dissemination of God's truth to the world. Here's another kingdom truth for you tonight. As the Spirit of Christ has built His church, so the Spirit of Antichrist has built His church. You hear that? 
there's for everything God does, there is an there is a counter action to that. There is a trinity, there is an unholy trinity. There is a church, there is the world's church versus Jesus' church. So the spirit of Antichrist has built his church. Wisdom has built her house. And foolishness has built her house. Look with me now in verse 13 and 14. Watch this now. We've already learned that wisdom has built her house. But now look in verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing, for she sitteth at the door of her house. This is the other woman. This is the false church. This, in fact, is the same harlot that we see in the book of the Revelation. Just better organized when we get to the book of the Revelation. It's foolishness house. It is the anti-church built by the Spirit of Antichrist, as this is the Christian church built by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I belong to the house that wisdom built. Because it's founded upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It's established by God's Word forever. But Solomon is warning us here tonight about the spirit of Antichrist. There are two women in Proverbs chapter 9. The wise woman in her house and the foolish woman in her house. And both of these women are bidding guests to come inside their house. Solomon said, the foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, and she knows nothing. Clamorous means she's a loudmouth woman. Being simple means she doesn't know anything. She doesn't know what she's talking about. It, 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 she's ignorant, and she's uh, easily deceived. So there are three characteristics of the false religious institution. The people who head it up are simple-minded, spiritually ignorant, and surprisingly loud. Simple-minded, spiritually ignorant, and surprisingly loud. They're very dogmatic about what they teach, even though everything they teach is wrong. They are loud, they're ignorant, they're deceived. They, they act like they're superior in knowledge. But in reality, they're full of a bunch of hot air. These are the people teaching evolution as if it was a fact. They're very loud about it, very boisterous about it. And they're quick to condemn anyone as ignorant who challenges what they teach. When in fact, they're the ones that are ignorant and easily deceived. These are the people insisting to us that men can have babies. These are the people telling us that we uh, cannot be saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, that we have to do our part as well. As the church of Jesus Christ, we have an urgency to preach the gospel to all the world so that God's kingdom mission 
may be fulfilled. Speaking of the true church in Proverbs chapter 9 verse 3, if you look there, she hath sent forth her maidens. Now that's Jesus, that's the gospel covenant, sending forth the members of the church. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth that through her maidens upon the highest places of the city. You see that in verse 3? She has sent, this is the foolish, the wise woman has sent forth her maid, and she crieth upon the highest place of the city. That's the wise woman. Likewise, the church of Antichrist also has an urgency to preach her false religions to all the world so that the anti-Christian mission may be fulfilled, which is to replace, corrupt, and overthrow God's kingdom. As wisdom cries through her maidens, Upon the highest place of the city, so the wisdom sits, look now in verse 14, wisdom sits on a seat in the highest places of the city. You see that? Just like the wise woman going to the highest place of the city, the foolish woman also goes to the highest places of the city. It's like, it's like you have truth over here standing up on a mountaintop, preaching to a crowd, trying to convince them to uh, get into the ark before the flood comes. And over here on the same mountain, you have someone else preaching to the same crowd, trying to convince them not to go in. That's what's really happening spiritually in this world. That's what we're dealing with right now. She is on a seat in the highest place of the city, verse, verse 15, to call passengers who go right on their ways. Both the wise woman and the foolish woman cry from the high places of the world, inviting the same people to come into their houses. It's a competition. Which house are they going to go in? Which religious philosophy, even if, if, even if it's the religion of non-religion, which is a religion in itself, which Religious ideology, ideology are they going to subscribe to? It's a competition. There's a battle that's being waged right now over the souls that God created. It's real. And the false religions of this world are the proof that that battle exists. Why? Why do Mormons... Send out their young people on this mission, was it for two years I think they do? They come into the tower where I work all the time. All the time trying to witness to people. Why is it that they're sending out missionaries going door to door and knocking and everything, trying to get their message of the, the Mormon religion out? Why is it that the atheists have conspired so uh, so cleverly and successfully to spread their news that there is no God to our children in the, in the, in the uh, educational institutions. Why, is, why do they have an urgency? Why do the Mormons have an urgency? Why are they going out trying to spread their false beliefs because they have a kingdom agenda just like we do.
That's why Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why did he say the gates of hell shall not prevail against it? How does one thing prevail against another unless there is a war going on? The gates of hell, which the, the, the death, the power of death, is waging a war against the message of eternal life. The message of life is the message of Christ the lies that lead to death is the message of Antichrist. And the devil doesn't care what religion you buy into as long as you don't eat at the table that wisdom has set, which is the gospel. He doesn't care. But that's why we have all these different religions in this world that are trying to spread their religions around because there is a true battle. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We will win. We are the building that Jesus built. Our building started with Abel and Seth and Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and Solomon, the one that we're reading from tonight, and so many others. The unbelievers, the scoffers, they're the building that Satan has built. Started with Adam and Cain and Nimrod and all the other unbelievers that come after them. They are the house that foolishness is built and is built on sand. Ours is the house that wisdom has built and is built on the rock, Jesus Christ. You remember Jesus saying, there is a wise man that built a house and there's a foolish man that built a house same thing we're looking at here one's built on sand what happens with the sand it gets washed away one's built on a rock what happens to that it remains their house is bigger than ours you count up all the people and all these other false religions right now and the church of Jesus Christ is very very minute in comparison their house is much bigger. But their house is not founded on a rock. It's going to be washed away when the rock comes. Until Jesus comes again, the church of Antichrist is going to continue preaching its lies. And will continue preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, that was the foolish woman inviting our first parents to come into her house. To eat of her table. Listen to the message of the foolish woman, the false church. She cries, look now in verse 16. The foolish woman cries, listen to her, her gospel. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. Does that sound familiar to you all? It's remarkably familiar because it is a counterfeit gospel. I want you to compare what the foolish woman, what the false church cries. Verse 16, whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. Now compare this to what the wise woman preaches in verse 4. Look in verse 4. She also says, whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. The same message, folks. Two different houses, two different women, the same message in a sense, 
that it's promising the same result to the same people. Making the same claim. Both women have different messages in the sense of content, but they're both making the same offer. Who's so simple? Let them come in hither. They both, the Christian and the anti-Christian institutions, offer people a place to belong to. Come on in here. You'll have a place to belong to. They offer them a system of belief that they can take shelter in. Tammy and I were watching um, uh, a video the other night. It's In, in fact, Brother... Uh, uh, Cliff and I were speaking outside just a moment ago. Uh, it's becoming very, very popular right now with people to live in travel trailers. For some people to live in their houses. They call it nomadic living. And it's becoming very popular in the United States because of inflation. And, and Tammy and I were watching an interview of a, of a, of a man who's been living in uh, whether a travel trailer or his car or a boat or however he's done it. He's been doing it for the past 40 years. Not living in a house for the past 40 years. He's currently living in a travel trailer on public land, government-owned land. And the man interviewing the nomad was a seasoned nomad himself. And both of these men were highly intelligent. And during the interview, one of the things that came up was the need for nomads to have a sense of purpose. I mean, because once you check out of life, once you don't have a job anymore, and you're just living in a trailer, and you're taking it easy, and it's the good life, you're all relaxed, you don't have to go to work, and bills are paid, and you get your Social Security check, or whatever, however, you're, you're paying your five, six hundred dollars a month. This man he was interviewing, he, he lived off five hundred a month. And, and they thought that, hey, this is just really real. This is the life. We relax every day and don't worry about anything. But they admitted there was a sense of purpose. What is now the meaning of life if I do nothing at all, if I don't contribute to society? And they struggled with that purpose. And, and the man who was interviewing he has taken on the philosophies of the Native Americans. You know, the people who worship the earth and think salmon are spiritually sacred and all that other stuff. They're godless. It's part of the, the uh, anti-Christian church, the, the false church, the church that the foolish woman has built. Because it denies God, it denies redemption by Jesus Christ. And so in their mind, everything's okay. This is the house they went into. They were talking about the elephant in the room. When you're single, and you're living in a travel trailer, and you're out in the woods, living like a nomad, what happens when you get old? I don't know about y'all. I think about when I get old. Who's going to take care of me? Uh, will I have enough to go to a nursing home? Will I be able to, you know, everyone should be thinking ahead about end of life care. 
I think all reasonable people do. Well, these nomads do too. And both of them stated very plainly, very unashamedly, that both of their plans are to commit suicide when they realize that they're no longer able to care for themselves. They've checked out of this world and have checked out of all responsibility to life and that'll just be their last time to check out again and skip out on responsibility in life. They're just going to commit suicide. And they talk very openly about it. But see, in their minds, by embracing the philosophies of the ancient uh, religions of America, the Native American religions, they see life like a lot of other people. It's, we're all just part of the earth, you see. Anne's not a unique individual to be loved and cherished. Her soul's not eternal. That's not true. She is just something the earth burped up. There will be another young lady take her place. And when she dies, it just completes the cycle of life. We've heard of that, right? There is no cycle of life. No one can replace that woman. No one can replace Hannah that was giving me a hug. She's unique. She's special. And here's what the gospel gives us. The gospel gives you the truth, that wonderful truth, that you are individually loved. You are cherished by your Creator as an individual. Not as something the earth just coughed up and now you'll go back to dirt and, and kill yourself when you get bad news. And somehow they have entered into the foolishness house and by going to that house they take refuge in that house. That's what you do in a house. You get food and you get shelter in a house. And foolishness has built a house for every person in this world. Atheism which is part of this, this uh, Native American stuff too. They may have great spirits or whatever out there, but it all comes back to the fact that we don't have to answer to someone in the end, and we are not special to somebody now. We're no different than the animals. And we're all just in this cycle of life, going back to the dirt and something new coming back out of the dirt, it's pathetically sad. But you see how that's the house they've gone into. And that's what they're taking comfort in. The wise woman is trying to shake them loose and get them to come out of their, into her house. And realize, man, your house is built on sand. That's not going to hold water. It is appointed a man wants to die and after this the judgment So, their hope is to engage one day in the cycle of life on earth by dying and being replaced by somebody else. That's what the foolish woman gave them. That's what they have eaten at her house. Look back in your text now in the latter part of verse 16. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him... Now, here's where the content of the message gets very different from ours. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Do you see here, the woman builds her house just like the wise woman does. The woman builds the pass, uh, or bids the passers-by to come into her house just like the wise woman does. And the foolish woman also offers her people something to eat and drink. 
just like the wise woman does. Why? Again, if there's a Christ, the devil's going to have an antichrist. If there's a trinity, the devil's going to have an anti-trinity. We have a gospel, now we have an anti-gospel. What does the wise woman offer? Her beasts are slain. She has bread. She has mingled wine. And that's what she offers. Here, the, the food offering is very, very different. In the food offering, in fact, is described more by the adjectives than it is the food itself. Stolen waters. Secret bread. Stolen waters. Secret bread. The stolen water and the secret bread, it's speaking about the false doctrines that are contrary to the Word of God. Those are stolen waters. That's secret bread. Mark this down in your Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 15. Outside of the stolen waters there in, in your margin. Deuteronomy 27 15. Listen to what God said. Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image. An abomination to the Lord. The work of the hands of the craftsman. And putteth it in a secret place. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or the wife of thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thy own soul, in other words, someone very, very close to you, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. You see now how the, the bread eaten in secret, the stolen waters, these are doctrines of religions that are offered by the false church anywhere in the world. Other than the truth that God has given us through Moses and the prophets. He says, Thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him. Neither shall thine eye pity unto him. Neither shalt thou spare. Neither shalt thou conceal him. But thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death. And afterwards the people. I'm sorry, the hand of all the people. Stolen waters. Secret bread. The secret bread is very obvious. Come, let's go do this over here. This is something that, that we really need to partake of over here. We'll do it on the Q&T. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were eating uh, secret bread. They were drinking stolen waters, which the serpent advertised as being sweeter than what God had to offer. The foolish woman says, come drink my stolen waters because they're sweet. What stolen waters? If Tammy and I get inside this car out here, this white car out here when we leave, well, except for Rick's car, if we get in the white Hyundai... 
That's not a stolen car. Why? We have the title to that car. We have the right to take that car home. Now, if we get into the other white car sitting next to it, the Cadillac, which is uh, Hollywood Ricks up there in Glenda's, we do not have a title to that car. If we run off with that car, that is not our car. That is a stolen car. Why? It does not belong to us. It's not our car to take home. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they were tempted to partake of stolen waters because the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not theirs to partake of. God says, Thou shalt not eat of it. It doesn't belong to you. It's not yours. Do you remember what the fruit did for Adam and Eve? It gave them the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know who else had the knowledge of good and evil? God did. God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. That was a knowledge that belonged to God alone. It did not belong to man. And man said, that belongs to God. I, if I eat it, I'll be like God. In fact, that's what the serpent said. The serpent was telling the truth on that part. Just told a lie that he wouldn't die. And they said, let's take it. She saw the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. What was that? It was stolen waters. And the temptation was, Ooh, won't that be so sweet if you get what doesn't belong to you? The temptation of other religions, false religions around the world, when you're raised up, it's like, man, boy, if we were to get that over there, and it, there's this attractiveness to it, and it's doctrine that uh, is not ours to partake of. God has given us one thing to believe and follow. That's His Word. That's, his, that's the truth. The devil gives us other things to follow that's not God's Word, that's not the truth, and it's not ours to partake of because we've only been given one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes from the Father but by me. God only gave one way. And that is everybody's way to partake of. And anything outside of Christ is stolen water that advertises to be sweet. But after you drink it, it's going to turn bitter and you'll die. The foolish woman doesn't tell that part. She just says, Whoo, this stolen water, it's sweet. And bread eaten in secret, oh, it's pleasant. Man, you'll like this religion. It lets you do a lot of things. Like the policemen up in Dallas, they say, well, I'm this religion here because they let us drink. I like to drink. And it'll give you whatever you ask for. The fruit was stolen waters because it was not Adam and Eve's to eat. Though it promised to quench their thirst for knowledge. It was eaten in secret. What did Adam and Eve go do after they ate it? They went and hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Just like people are hiding from God today. The false church advertises sweet refreshment to those who are willing to subscribe to its godless teachings. It offers exciting fulfillment to those who will feast on her lies. But he, look now in verse 18, but he that is the person entering that foolish house, the person partaking of that false doctrine, knoweth not that the dead are there. 
and that her guests are in the depths of hell. They go into that shelter, just like those nomads. We're going to subscribe to what the Native Americans believe. Just like the, the uh, atheists, we're going to say there is no God. We're going to go into that house. And they take shelter in that house. And they feast in that house. And it fills their belly. And to them it's sweet to think that I can live how I want to. And I don't have a God to answer to. And I'm going to be okay because that's what my philosophy, that's what my religion teaches me. And even though it teaches them the sweetness of that secret bread and that stolen water, they do not know the truth that the people in that house are dead while they live. How thankful I am that I've entered the house of life rather than the house of death. Jesus said the way to hell is a broad way. The foolish woman offers her guests the religion of their choice. Because the devil doesn't care what lie you take to hell with you. So long as you go to hell. The wise woman offers her guests the truth. Because God is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. This is an inside glimpse in the book of Proverbs. At the invisible battle that's being waged between the Son of God and His Spirit and His church in the devil, the spirit of Antichrist, in his godless world. It's very real. And I thank God one day, the waters of God's judgment are going to wash that house away. And the only things standing are going to be those souls that built their faith on Jesus Christ and the cross where he died. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. God, I, I look in this book in Proverbs chapter 9, God, and I'm, it's, it's like putting glasses on. It's like having scales come off our eyes and we're able to glimpse into the unseen, into the spiritual world of, of this battle. One woman seeking to prevail over the other. And I thank you, Lord, that the wise woman and her house will always stand. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the saints of God and the Christ in whom we believe. In his precious name we pray.